Welcome to Uncomfortable Is Okay, where we explore the science, the stories, and the strategies of getting out of your comfort zone, navigating challenge, and doing the hard things that make life worth living. I'm your host, Chris Desmond. Uncomfortable Is Okay is brought to you by Health Mentors. Health Mentors is a performance well-being company that helps change makers dial in their health and improve their performance in the middle of a chaotic world. We offer one-on-one health mentoring services, as well as a range of workshops and workplace solutions, all the way up to supporting organizations with their well-being strategy. You can find out more at healthmentors.nz or get in contact with Chris at healthmentors.nz. All right, take two. (laughs) Welcome to the Uncomfortable is OK podcast. Take two. I am here with the amazing Jennifer Young who is a people and leadership development specialist, a workplace well-being specialist who specializes in mental and emotional health. Jen, you're very special. Welcome to the podcast. (laughs) Thank you, Chris. You made me feel so special right from the very beginning. I feel like there needs to be a lore about how many times we said special, but we'll we'll, we'll figure out. Maybe it's something we'll see my thing. It's the special episode. (laughs) Yeah, Brett. I mean, this is four years after our original one, so it, it does is. feel that special. I'm not it is. Lie. Yeah. Jen, right. so you are you are a recurring guest on the podcast, as you mentioned, four years ago, four years and a couple of months, actually, since we first sat down and did a recording here in Wellington. For those of you who haven't listened to the podcast, Jen, do you want to give us a kind of a nutshell background about where you've come from? You start with the best easy questions, don't you? Okay, I'll do yeah, my best. Wrap okay, it up so. and like put it in two minutes, please. <laughs> you know, two-minute intro to yourself. Okay, team. So kia ora, Shifano. I'm Jen. A lot of people know me as Gen Y because Jennifer Young, Gen Y, I'm a millennial Generation Y member. How fun is that? Love plays on words. Country, upbringing, so rural, Ramarama, south of Auckland, so that very grounded nature. I... I, and I talked about this on the first podcast interview there, a real defining and generative moment in my early childhood was about growing up with my, with my best friend, who was my older brother, and he was disabled. And how experiencing life with him really gave me a perspective of my own privilege, my own ability to move and to learn and to contribute. And it was one of those things that I vowed, you know, he had... And we, we lost him, unfortunately, when I was eight and he was 10. So really knowing early on just... Life is really precious and having that in the back of my mind quite often and often feel like he's still with me. So thanks, Alex. Love you. Having those experiences early on really did, I think, direct me in a way that I knew I wanted to do something really worthwhile with my time to really contribute and use my privilege, use my ability to communicate. At least I can hope hope people can hear me and understand my communication as it is. And I t- took a path because my parents really wanted to one of my younger brother and I to follow a more secure path before we did what we really wanted to do. Cause I've always wanted to be a teacher, coach, counselor, et cetera. But initially I went to the dark side and became an admitted barrister and solicitor before I came to my senses. Thank you to Outward Bound. Those 21 days in nature did wonders, I tell you. So since leaving law and that field and coming to my senses, I moved into leadership development, helping people to grow, to learn, to develop, combining my love for professionalism and knowing that things are precedents. I started learning about coaching and then about neuroscience and about evidence-based practices and wanted to combine all those. And then while I was in 
leadership development and consulting and advising, I experienced a really toxic working environment where my own mental emotional well-being was really challenged to the point of suicide ideation. And through experiencing that, that really toxic environment, I basically vowed that I never wanted a person, especially young people in their first five to ten years of their career, to experience those kinds of work environments without knowing about their own mental health or about how the mind works, how the brain works, different personalities, how different generations operate. And so I think those subconscious experiences that took place really shaped the next five, six years because I've went through that journey. And within a few years after going for a bit of a traveling journey and learning about my own mental emotional wellbeing, I started what was initially called Genuine Insights, which is when you first interviewed me and it was a blog and I was teaching mindfulness and stress reduction classes and corporate environments. I was doing coaching and very quickly merged into, evolved into intentional generations, which I've now been doing for five years, which is wow. mind blowing to think about. And over the last five years, my goodness, it's incredible to even reflect upon this. My team and I have had the complete and utter privilege of supporting tens of thousands of people across our beautiful Aotearoa New Zealand, across Australia, across Ireland, England, um, Canada, Switzerland, whether it's doing different online workshops or webinars during the pandemic and lockdowns, or whether it is going into workplaces around the country, or it's doing one-on-one on group coaching or talking with youth or schools or groups. It's kind of that real, to be honest, that the highs and lows of it all. So I'll stop there because I feel like that's a it's a lot right at the beginning, it was, isn't it? It was three minutes, Jen. <laughs> but it was it was smooth. I liked it. You've kind of summarized a 50-minute podcast that we did last time yeah. into, into that. But everyone okay. should go back and listen to it because the, like, the nuance and the depth that we got into some of those topics that we talked about is, is really, I think, really valuable for people and really valuable for their learning. Um, so thank you for sharing that so succinctly. Pleasure. And as like you I've mentioned, that's once a month. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyone <laughs> would think. So when we caught up, I think you were you were in year one. And oh, I think it was yeah. it might have still been Gen Y Insights. It was, correct. And yes. I'd I'd love to have a conversation with you, Jen, about so it was really early days and there was like you were certain in in yourself, but I think there was still a, a reasonable amount of uncertainty with you in regards to the process and and kind of where things were going to go and what they were going to look like and i'd love to kind of have a have a conversation with you about how things evolved from that point in time and and how you navigated that uncertainty oh yeah great question thanks for asking it i goodness from the outside I've had a lot of comments over the years from people that they either haven't entirely understood what it is that I've done or they've seen a natural like evolution or growth that it's just naturally evolved as the conversation around mental health has grown, around different workplaces, their cultures have changed. And then also the broader societal conversations around privilege, mental health, the climate, greater issues, that conversation has changed. And so I think that that's been a natural reflection of how I've also changed and how the work that I've done has progressed and changed. So I'd say that from the very beginning, I think there was, there was a lot of unlearning that I had to do. 
to be completely honest, around what a business structure looks like and what business looks like and what serving and providing value looks like. And there was probably a part of me coming from being a law and having that upbringing or that training that really it's loved type A perfectionism. It's loved that very controlled, masculine, hierarchical, process-driven structure, et cetera. And learning that often the nature of business and also doing the kind of work that we do, it evolves and it changes. So one of the things that I've had to do, and it's probably beautiful that we're having this conversation, is learn personally to become a lot more comfortable with being uncomfortable because the whole last five years has been a huge journey in terms of growing my own self. And by growing myself, it's been growing the business. It's been growing the way that I can have the capacity and the capabilities and abilities to hold more and to be able to do more and serve more. And it's also meant that I've had to learn to manage my own, not just mindset, but my own mental health a hugely, huge, huge, huge amount more. Because it's been pretty tough at times. I won't lie. It really has. The last four to five years, especially going through the pandemic, growing a team, learning how to manage a team, then, then shrinking the team a bit to get through this last year. It's been a journey. It sure has. And, and I want to I wanna get into talking more about your mental health as well, but I'm really interested in the topic of unlearning and yeah. needing to unlearn, I guess, kind of societal norms that have been imprinted on you from the experiences that you had. Firstly, when did you recognize that you needed to do some unlearning? And then secondly, how did you go about it? Oh, great question. I think this could be a whole 50-minute episode in itself. I'm not going to lie. So the unlearning process, I think, came with experiencing pain and, and some suffering or experiencing moments where I thought, why is this impacting me in such a way? Why am I going into different environments? For example, a consulting environment and I'm going in there as a female in her early to mid-20s and all of a sudden my eyes are open to ways that the world is working that I didn't realize that they were working, for example. So I would be in my first few years of work and my work would be taken credit for by my older male colleagues or the older male colleagues that were attending the meetings from other government departments, they would either not look at my face or they'd look at my chest line, for example, and I'd have to learn, oh, okay, maybe the way that I see the world is different. Or the first year and a half that I was in business, I had to unlearn perfectionism. It was a huge one. I had to unlearn that this is what business looks like. This is what a coach looks like. This is what a well-being person looks like because I had, and I didn't even realize until I was in it, which I think is often really normal, like unless you're often in the arena, as Brene Brown says, or you're really doing the work, you often don't realize what it is or know the truth of the experience. But those first few years, my goodness, that was an unlearning process. So learning, this is what an entrepreneur looks like. And I was like... Do I feel like a leader? I I feel like I'm going in and I'm doing the best that I can and I'm showing up every day the best that I can. And then also, it's okay if some days I'm totally not okay. And some days that a person that is a coach or is a well-being person, it is okay 
for them to actually be real and say, I'm really tired today. Or I had a really bad sleep. Or the dog I'm looking after, like, pooped everywhere and I am stressed. (laughs) All these things, right? So the unlearning process typically came through experience and a lot of discomfort, often actually quite a bit of pain of realizing, shoot, this is the way that I see the world and maybe this is wrong or maybe this is a way that I see a group of people and I've just had an experience that shows me that that was wrong and I need to change that perspective. So unlearning in itself, incredibly valuable, also not very comfortable because it can often change or challenge not only our own views of what we see the world as or see people as or see an idea as, but it can also change and challenge our own identity. Hope that that answered your question. Yeah, it did. And I think you're you're exactly right. It's that back and forth process between yourself and, and the environment. Once you start being intentional and paying it paying attention to what is going on and how you're responding to it as well. I think this is changes change is often difficult for people because change is inherently uncomfortable. And I think we often people end up putting up with with things and with ideas for a long period of time because dealing with that discomfort is probably going to be less than dealing with the the discomfort of unlearning and changing and changing our beliefs and and challenging our biases as well around what we think is what we think is right and what we think is correct and i'm sure you have found this as well but over time as i've practiced doing this it's easier to switch into changing my biases than it used to be it takes less it takes less pain to push me to that point where I start that process. More pain in certain areas of my life than others, but I think it's it's like a muscle that you're working as well as that 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 unlearning and that kind of opening up to different types of perspective. Yeah. A- absolutely. I'm I'm glad that you touched upon the the pain around the change process as well. That's something that I've had to do a huge amount of navigating over the last year. I know part of what you wanted to chat about this podcast is about the last four years and probably the last year is something a lot of people have been asking me about because this last year, and it was almost a year ago to the day I put out a blog post, maybe it was a few days after this, and I put out a blog post saying, I'm taking my own medicine, I'm stopping work for two months, and I'm going to be moving to Queenstown. And it was very much, I think it was it was the first point in time where I realized Actually, I've probably been going for quite a few years and I've, as much as I've been doing a lot of self-care and a lot of the things that the experts say are really good, I was also not okay at the end of last year. Like I I was pretty heartbroken. I'd had like this incredible interlude with a beautiful human and it's, I think it was the, the cherry on top of the cake many of the years of either unsuccessful connections, relationships, and then some unhealthy living environments. One of them was actually quite traumatic. And then a few years of going through the pandemic where it changed so many things and there was a lot that I was holding for thousands of people. And I just felt like I just couldn't hold it anymore. And I needed to, you know, just not just slow down, but actually find time and make the time in the space to kind of fall apart for a lot of it, to be honest. And I moved 
down to initially Bannockburn and Central Otago where some of my best friends lived and they they loved on me for a period of time and were just like, you know, take your time, rest, go for walks, find dogs to pet and go for walks with. You know, dogs are great. And and take time to reflect and to, you know, have those deep conversations they need to have with people. And when I thought initially about taking those two months off, I did feel a lot of fear. I thought, you know, what are people going to think if I say I work in these areas of training and development and mental emotional well-being? And also I'm really feeling it. You know, what are people going to think? You know, is this going to really tarnish the the brand, the reputation and the work that I've built? And I've done like a lot of hard work in these areas over the last few years. And I, I was actually quite scared. You know, I was really nervous about doing this. And then I also knew I need to do this for myself for the long term because if if I'm getting this close to burnout, you know, five years or four years at that point in time into doing this kind of work, if I am, you know, just not okay emotionally, heart-wise, I have to do this for myself. I can't do the kind of incredible work that I get the privilege of doing for people as if I'm not there myself. And so I really had to think about that change process as you talked about. It is uncomfortable, if anything, so uncomfortable. You know, it can be easier often to keep going and think, nah, nah, it's okay. Or the Kiwi slang of, she'll be right. We'll get through it. Number eight, why that? And just wrap things around it. But then the longer term impacts of that are there of, and I do this with a lot of clients, they wake up in their 40s or their 50s and they're thinking, oh, my life isn't okay. So rather slowing down is stopping early on the journey, I think, is a wise pursuit. How long did it take you to get to that point where you realized you needed to stop? Like how much pain did you have to sit with and go through until it tipped you to make that decision to realize, yeah. I can't yoga my way out of this one? No, <laughs> I can't yoga my way out of this one. Love that. Or dance my way. Dance, I was, yeah. I was doing a lot of, lot of dancing at that point in time. I think I was actually, I was reading a book and... It said something like, and I'm going to paraphrase this. I, it's in the it's in the blog that I wrote initially last year. That you can either feel so much pain and basically be forced to make the change, or before you get to that point, you can basically stop and reflect and think, "Do I want to get to that point?" Because I knew I was going to get to that point of you know complete and utter burnout, just not being any use to make myself or any person that I really love. And I thought. I can see that that's coming and my friends could see it as well. As soon as I got to know them, they were like, no, we love you. (laughs) Doing a friend intervention, we see how much you're helping others. And I realized I'm not going to allow myself to get to that point. I'm going to make, I'm going to take my own medicine. I'm going to stop before I get to that point. So I know that it is really common where people can get to that point, which is basically being so burnt out where they basically can't move or they're so exhausted that they can, you know, they'll wake up and then they can do a bit of movement, they can't do much. And I thought, I don't want to get to that point. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for stopping before you got there. Because we might not be having this conversation today if you had It's very true. It's very true. Yeah, I, I, could, I could see it and I could notice it in my body. And I'm, I'm grateful for all the years of meditation that I've done where I could actually pick up on these signs, these signals, and notice the patterns and, and my well-being and my own behavior. And realize actually, I I I need to stop. You know, I could keep doing the mahi. I could keep doing the work. I could keep serving people. I could 
you know, keep being the strong and resilient person that I am, or I could do the deeper haggling, the deeper work that I know I'm ready for doing, and then come back even stronger in this next chapter and more mm. intentionally. Yeah. Nice. What did you learn over that period of time? Great question. So this last year has really shown me, I think, the strength and the resiliency of the human spirit. That when we slow down, when we, and I mean genuinely slow down because sleep is very different to rest. And there's a great, great TED talk about the seven types of rest and why, why you're always tired. I think it's Sonia something. She's done a great talk on that. It really showed me that people can get to real dire straits and also can bounce back as much as they don't like the term bounce back from resilience literature. But it is that, that notion that <laughs> we can, we can change, we can evolve, we can emerge. Do you like to think of it like a, almost like a phoenix, you know, dying in the ashes and then coming back reborn? I feel like that's what this year has been. And I'd say another big learning that I've learned this year has been a lot of it about the body and about trauma and about how often trauma can be of different severity, whether the, in the trauma literature and the research, they call it big T trauma, which is typically, whether it is, for example, a, a car accident or something that really gets locked into the nervous system and the body at the cellular level, or there's the lower ca- lowercase t trauma, which can, whether it's about rejection or loneliness, or it's to do with stuff that happens in childhood, for example, or teenage years. And I learned a lot about how some of that stuff can come up at different points in time. And that having an awareness of what happens to us early on in life can have a huge, <laughs> huge benefit to us as adults. And it's really, it's been fascinating to see the impacts of the last few years and how that's been impacting people. And then also noticing it in so many workshops and spaces that I go where I see how people's upbringing or their childhood, that has a big impact on the dynamics in workplaces. So that's been a big one. And I'd say the real importance, like the real blessing of this year has been just how important nature connection family friendships and taking time for oneself that that's absolutely and actually critical and i think it's something i'm not going to ever take for granted again really yeah nice great learnings Jen, big learnings yeah how have you how have you changed the way you do things since you've come back mm. well i say i do think a lot slower these days so i i i put less on my plate intentionally so that I do things at an even higher quality. I'd say that by actually taking a lot more time these days to be slower, whether it's to do lots of walks in nature or I'm, I'm house sitting at the moment looking after a beautiful dog. So multiple walks a day is great. Lots of time for dancing, allowing myself space before and after big experiences and really honoring the amount of energy that I have. I'd say that's something that I've learned and I'm doing differently. I think the the biggest thing or the biggest change I'd say is that I have really reflected upon why why different people get tired from different things, why people are more sensitive to different things or why there are different levels or amounts of energy for different people. And rather than 
for example, judging myself for getting more tired from different activities than some of my friends do is actually to honor, okay, so that's, that's the amount of energy that I have for this and that's okay. I'm going to make the space to recover from that because, you know, doing coaching or facilitating or public speaking actually takes a significant amount of my energy. So I've, I've allowed myself those probably more space, I'd say, these days to recover, rest and do a lot more reflection, a lot more deeper thinking. Yeah. And it sounds like you've also been building your self-compassion muscle around that as well and letting yourself be okay in those situations as well. Yeah, definitely. I think that's been a beautiful natural byproduct where I, I used to think that I was really kind to myself and quite self-compassionate and had a good understanding about my own inner chatter and the way that my own mental emotional well-being worked. And now I'd say that it's, it's gone from the level of not just rationally and consciously understanding it to being something that I sometimes did and sometimes was. Now it's something that I am. So it's gone mm. from, you know, the, the understanding to the occasionally doing to the embodiment, embodiment level. So that's, yeah. that's been really cool, really cool learning. Nice. And it's awesome when those things start to become part of your identity as well and become part of who you are because then they start to happen automatically. And I think I've talked about it on the podcast before. I reckon self-compassion is one of the, the ultimate performance skills that if you can develop it and you can, you can kind of weave it into your identity, then you save yourself so much time, so much energy, so much heartache from just beating yourself up and yeah. being not particularly nice to yourself and leading yourself down weird, weird paths that you don't need to go down because you haven't deployed self-compassion. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. And I, I learned this beautiful idea earlier this year because I know that both of us love ideas and how powerful they can be for either helping us or serving or sharing ideas is so powerful. I, I learned the idea that so many people that are really high achievers or they're doers often are top class like self beater uppers or like mm. self you know meaners mean, mean, mean people like real like bullies themselves and it's often the idea that idea that we wouldn't say what it is that we say internally to ourselves to our best friend but especially not a small child and so yeah. that self-compassionate approach and Tara Brach does some beautiful meditations all about self-compassion she's a great one to look into and I think her book Radical Acceptance which I read a few years ago is definitely a top-notch book that I recommend to people who are interested in learning more on that. Nice. It's been on my to-read list for a while, but I've never actually got to it. So that could be, I've got an audible credit for this month. So hey. that might be, uh, that might be this month's book. Great. Yeah, she's a good day. Jen, we were about to segue into it earlier before I asked you some more personal questions, but you were talking about people's, people in workshops that you've been interacting with and people's growth over the last couple of years. And like you've been on a journey of, of a lot of self-growth over this last year and, and figuring things out and kind of reshaping your, some of your identity. What are the trends that you're seeing? Because you work with a lot of people. What are the trends you're seeing in people's growth over the last sort of year, 18 months, two years timeframe? off the coming out of the pandemic and being in it? Mm, mm, great question. So one of the biggest things I've noticed, whether it's in workplaces or talking with people, is that 
mental health and well-being as much as we don't necessarily both like the term well-being because it's been almost been tarnished in the industry because of what do we call it earlier like yeah. we'll, we'll put a term in there that it, it has been an interesting industry to be part of the last five years maybe that's a big conversation in itself but I have noticed that mental health and well-being is talked about in basically every conversation that I go into which is mind-blowing because a few years ago it was seen as whether it's a fluffy thing or it's seen as a more feminine thing or it's seen as something that they had to do and now because of the pandemic so many people and especially I've noticed a lot of male or quite masculine leaders have for the first time experienced oh my goodness I, I experienced some depression for the first time for example or huge amounts of anxiety and they've realized oh, this isn't just something that affects people that have something wrong with them per se. It's this impacts anyone or it can impact anyone and has impacted a lot of people. So I'd say that's coming up in basically every conversation and people are a lot more aware and conscious of it, which is a sign of the times and also is wonderful that it's coming into play. Um, another thing I'm seeing a lot of is that people are not necessarily having very much capacity at the moment because it has been a huge huge few years so a lot of people that I'm talking with are either really struggling or they're really worried about you know why am I feeling this way you know why am I feeling so tired and some of the research that's coming out at the moment from whether it is the Harvard Business Review or Gallup or the studio directors is showing shockingly high numbers of burnout in many 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 professions and completely makes sense with the last few years that we've all been through with the pandemic and then adding on top of that everything that's happened this year with the war in the Ukraine, the impacts of the climate crisis and a lot of different workplace or economic shortages impacting people genuinely or generally. So it's a really big one and so I'm seeing that people are, they have less capacity but they're also more aware of how can we get through this together what is it that we can do to navigate this time so some workplaces are unfortunately pushing their people more and more because they are so short-staffed and others are doing things more compassionately with this where they're probably realizing oh my people are not they're not battery for example they they don't have endless amounts of battery power or energy they actually really need to rest and take time off and if they're not okay we're not going to keep pushing them even further because that'll lead to even more detrimental impacts. And it's not just on them, it's their families as well, their whānau. You know, that's really important to think of. So I'd say those are some really big themes that I'm noticing as people are really wanting to understand their teams better because they want to make sure that they've got solid teams, they're retaining their people a lot more, and they're also a lot more aware of their own well-being, especially their mental and emotional well-being. Yeah, that's that's really cool that pe that awareness is building and that these conversations are happening. And I think it's like it's been a long time coming, but I've also seen kind of an upswing in sort of people's yeah people's awareness around like how they're doing. I was walking like I walked past. I don't know how old these guys would have been. They must have been like nineteen or twenty, maybe. And I caught a little snippet of their conversation, and it. One of the guys said to the other one, he's like, I don't want to, I don't want to go into this and I don't want to be acting from a place of fear. And oh, I was like, what? 
I was like, I would not have been at that level when I was 19. I was like, that is some really, that's some really great awareness. And actually, like, even looking at my four-year-old, Connor, he'll come up and he'll say to me, Dad, I'm frustrated. Oh. I was like, that is, that is such good self-awareness. Um, yeah. So I need to kind of keep pushing myself so that I try and stay mm-hmm. six, like six months ahead of his emotional awareness so I can kind <laughs> of just keep trying to guide him down that, down that path. Um, yeah. Do you think do you think that this this kind of awareness is going to keep growing at the same rate that it is? I I have a genuine hope that it does. I'm seeing that there's a huge popularity in terms of people now really understanding why it's important to understand mental emotional well-being and to know, for example, the differences between anger and frustration or sadness and grief or understand anxiety and excitement because they're all very different and they all have very different needs attached to them. So actually having a more personalized approach to understanding people is becoming really important. I am seeing some trends at the moment that some organizations are already starting to pull back on their investment into different educational initiatives or wabbing initiatives. So I'm noting that. And then I'm also seeing that some workplaces are saying, no, we really see how important this is. We really, we're playing the longer game. We see that this is a really smart thing to do to ensure that our people have what it is that they need to get through this period of time. So it's almost like there's two different trends happening depending on where people are at economically. And it is one of those tough things and realities in life, right? That we often can't be, do, have everything, et cetera. And we all, do the best that we can. Yeah, 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 exactly. Jen, if people are wanting to like build their own self-awareness, if work isn't funding a lovely well-being program for them and they want to get into building some of their self-aware around these topics, do you have any tips or any strategies that they might find helpful? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I like to think in terms of what are the things that you can do for free? What are the things that you can do for a little bit of investment or a little bit of money? What are the things that you can do for a, a bit more? So thinking in terms of that, because I really think that when it comes with well-being, growth, et cetera, like the fact that money comes into play into it really breaks my heart. So I hope that you and I can do something about that in the near future. We'll, we'll see. It's knowing that there are tons, and I mean tons, of free online resources to start with. So whether it is, Starting to learn how to properly meditate is probably one of the greatest things that a person can do is to know that the breath is probably the fastest way and the most consistent way that you can calm your nervous system. So moving from a sympathetic to a parasympathetic nervous system. So from a fight or flight response, which is all about stress and anxiety and you're feeling tight or you're worried or imaginary saber through tigers in the mix to a more calmer response. So I'd say learning how to meditate or a, a mindfulness practice is a really good one. And there's so many free resources out there. Definitely worthwhile. I know there's also a lot of, whether it is a non-spiritual tradition or a spiritual tradition where they do lots of free classes, whether it's in the community or online. So that's definitely something to look into. Journaling is another thing that really helps. I know that a lot of people say these things, but the reality is that these things work. There's a lot of research into it, a lot of evidence-based practice. So whether it is a really simple gratitude practice and not just about what the five things you're grateful for, but it's like, why? Specifically, why are you grateful for that thing? Or what are the things that you're looking forward to? There's a lot of research there, even spending 
10 minutes a day looking back through positive memories or things that you're really proud of or things that you really celebrate, that that can have a huge impact on one's, whether it's a sense of optimism or it brings a sense of perspective into one's day-to-day of, oh, it's not all negative stuff happening. Actually, I have had some really cool experiences or I have had some stuff that I'm really grateful for. Or 10 minutes of planning something or putting something in the calendar that you're looking forward to. So it's really increasing that hope muscle. So 10 minutes a day of that kind of stuff. And you can, whether it's flip through the phone, go or call someone that you care about, chat about some of the things that you're grateful for in the past or chat about some cool experiences you had. Those are some really cool things you can do with a little bit more time or a little bit more resources. Therapy is a great thing to invest in. And I know that Zero has the, I think it's the Zero Assistance Program for business owners. So there's some free counseling sessions in there for business owners that need it. There for many workplaces, they have employee assistance programs. So those are wonderful. I know that there's a number of different online, whether it is apps you can download. There's a bot, W-O-E-B-O-T. There is a artificial intelligence cognitive behavioral therapist robot who sends little messages to you. It's it's amazing. I I used it for a period of time during the pandemic and it sends you little messages and it's like, hey, checking in, how are you doing? And do you know about black and white thinking? Or, you know, how's your thinking today? How's your mood today? So it's that that can be really useful and it's it's a free tool as well. I feel like there's so many of them. Going for a dip in the ocean or any kind of body of water are incredible for one's well-being. There's there's a lot in the space that I'm learning about emotional well-being as well and about the power of releasing emotions and actually feeling your feelings. So whether it is screaming into bath water, punching a pillow, yelling into what, you know, you, you like close nose, mouth, and you just yell, but actually releasing that is incredibly beneficial and healthy. A little bit more resources is going on a retreat, for example, or I know that there are people have experience of meditating there's 10 days of pasana meditations and i think that they are done by donation so the pasana is you sit for 10 days and it's silent but maybe for a little bit more advanced potentially <laughs> yeah, but, don't so start with answer, that one no don't start there <laughs> but the short answer is that there are so many places to start i say keep connecting with your loved ones Get out into nature, go for walks, take time with yourselves, take time away from devices. The amount of stimulation that we all experience on a day-to-day basis is incredibly concerning. There's a great book by Johan Hari that's come out this year about stolen focus that goes into the impact of, you know, using our devices all the time and the rising levels of ADHD, for example. So actually slowing down to mm. notice where what are you what are you feeling? What are you noticing? What are you observing? This all has benefits. Yeah. And I think like a a theme of a lot of what you're talking about there is just crafting some space just to be. Um, And that might be to be in nature. That might be to be in water. That might be with your journal or with meditating, but just, just being. And it's amazing what happens when you, when you can get into that space or when you're, when you allow yourself the capacity to be in that space about what happens with your awareness and what what you start to begin to notice when you remove all of the other distractions. Yeah, 100%. I'd say this year I realized this may be one of the last times or one of the last times in a while that I may have this level of freedom and lack of attachment. And so I thought I'm really going to take this time and I'm really going to 
get to know what's going on in my mind and the actual slowing down, allowing space to go for long walks and to have conversations with my aunt, for example, who's a trained counsellor, was incredible, and to do a lot of journaling and reading and writing. That time, I, th- I think I'm going to look back on this time and there might even be a book that comes out of it, to be completely honest, all the stuff I learned because I realised that it had probably been four years and even though I've done like a lot of meditation, I've done a lot of different practices, because of the way that my brain works, it hadn't really slowed down consistently enough to really properly relax and in close to four years, especially with the mm. pandemic. I mean, two years initially building the business, two years going through a pandemic, constantly having low levels of anxiety or stress going on, picking up on that from other people, picking up on that from my flatmate, picking up on that from so many of my clients. I, I had to take that time and it was it was amazing what happened for, for my brain. My brain was probably the most creative it's been in years because I actually had time to let all the stuff that had been going on in my brain and my mind, all these questions, all these concerns that I'd had of, hmm, this isn't feeling right in this industry. Why is this this way? Why is this, for example, in coaching, why is this such a focus on get to six figures, get to seven figures, you know, do this healing practice, take this vitamin, et cetera. You know, I was like, why, why are they, all these things coming at me when I have so much capacity and resources already within me and around me? So I needed that space to allow that thinking to be able to happen because mm. in, in the hustle and bustle of the city life, it just wasn't the same quality. Yeah. yeah and I, and I, 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 I need to acknowledge my privilege as well. Like I know that this isn't a possibility for everyone that I'm in, I'm in a position where I don't yet have kids as much as I would love kids in a few years. I don't have a partner for a wee while. I, I'll be getting a home in the next year, but you know, I, I don't have these things at this moment in time. And so I, I need to acknowledge that and to acknowledge that for some people, space could be a few minutes here and there. It could be an hour here and there. It could be, you, you know, giving giving the kids to grandma or to dad for a period of time and taking micro versions of that because I yeah just really need to acknowledge that Mm. yeah thank you for sharing that Jen and thank you for acknowledging that as well it is a little bit harder when you have kids but you can still you can still usually find some time for a little bit of space every now and then Jen the conversations have been around getting uncomfortable, but do you have any strategies that you are using at the moment that are working for you to deal with discomfort? Oh, mm, great question around getting uncomfortable. So I'd say self-compassion is a really big one for me around getting uncomfortable and about basically knowing the process of being uncomfortable and like the different stages of learning from that unconscious incompetence to the conscious incompetence to the unconscious competence you know the conscious competence Mm. so like just knowing those stages and then also knowing that I'm gonna suck the first few times that I do something right like it's gonna it's not gonna be great so it's basically I I prepare for my ego to to crash and my ego to just be like oh this is uncomfortable so I think having those I think almost memories although those truths that that experience to draw upon the fact that I've, I've been through many experience where I have been a brand new beginner and it's such that first few times it's knowing that is really useful and then 
self-compassion is one of the biggest things I use when I'm learning something new. For example, I'm learning a new dance style or I realize, oh, I, I don't yet have this the strength to do that move yet or I, I'm getting there. It's, it's a progress. So that self com- self-compassion is probably one of the biggest things I use mm. when I'm getting uncomfortable or I know that something's going to be uncomfortable and it's reminding myself, hey, where we've done a lot of these kinds of things before or we know or I know. I, 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 this is like my internal dialogue these days is I know that this is going to probably be really uncomfortable for a period of time and that's okay. And if you need to have a bit of a cry at the end of it, that's cool. If you need to go have some comfort food at the end of it, that's okay as well. You know, if you need to on a Friday go have a glass of wine with a friend, totally understand. You know, having all these strategies in place is really useful for me. Nice, nice. Yes. Jen, if people are interested in you and your work, where can they go to find out more? Sure. So I'm across many of the different social media platforms, just not TikTok these days. I there's a part of me that does not want to go on it because your I know dance get... moves would be oh, amazing. I mean, probably like all the all the dance, <laughs> but I I feel like I just I mean, there's a reason they call it TikTok, right? Like time just tick tick ticks tocks away. Yeah. So at Integer Generations on Instagram and Facebook, I use those every so often, and I also try not to get too attached to them because I know how dangerous they can be for my personality and the way that I like to engage the world. Also, totally open if you want to connect with me on LinkedIn. We've got a website as well, www.intentualgenerations.com. There's a ton of free resources on there. Welcome to download. And I think we've got a webinar coming up in a few weeks in December about preventing burnout before the end of the year. So there's nice. that as well. That is, ex- that is exciting. You're still saying dub, dub, dub. I noticed that in the, yeah, <laughs> in the last one as well. And you are, you actually asked me, you're like, do people still say that? People we, still I, th- say that. I think we, I think we decided that the kids don't say that anymore. So yeah, I just had to realize, like, I'm just not one of the kids anymore. <laughs> I'm, I'm a full-on millennial. And actually, I saw something on Instagram the other day where it said that there is a microcosm or like a mini version in the millennial generation that needs to be noticed, noticed, or it needs to be renamed. Because there's a few years in the generation, and I'm like smack bang in the middle of it, where we are the last generation that remembers the time pre, you know, pre-fast internet, pre-cell phone, before it became part of something that is attached to us. So we're the last generation that actually remember going through our formative years without that. So yeah. maybe yep. I'm just not one of the kids anymore, and that's okay. Yeah, okay. I've, I've never really been one of the kids, but I, I am. Right. I sit in there as well. So I was born in '83. So hey, we didn't we didn't get dial up internet till I was like 13 or 14. So I definitely remember the time of no internet, pre slow yeah. internet. Jen, just to finish off, do you have a challenge to leave us with today? Oh, great question. So my challenge to people, I mean, at first I was going to give them a challenge about getting outside their comfort zone, and then. Just knowing where people are at at the moment, I'd say is for the next seven to 14 days, is there one nice thing that you can do for yourself each day? Is there one thing that you can do, experiment with, to give yourself a little bit of space to reflect on how things are going, to reflect on where you're at, and maybe what is one action that you can take at the end of those days as well to get you closer to where you're wanting to go? Is that that kind of approach, that kind of approach. Yeah, nice. Jennifer Young, thank you so much for getting uncomfortable with me today. Pleasure, Chris. Always fun, my friend. Always fun.
Thank you so much for getting uncomfortable with us today. I always love these conversations. If you want to have a, hear a guest, if you want to have a topic explored, if you want to ask a question, please send an email to chris at healthmentors.nz uh, and we can get onto that for you. If you want to support the show, the best way that you can do that is subscribe on your favourite podcast app and make sure to share it out with some of your mates as well. Thank you to Health Mentors, the sponsor of the show today. If you want to improve your health and your performance in the middle of a chaotic world, make sure to check out healthmentors.nz or send an email to chris at healthmentors.nz for a no-obligation chat. Thank you so much to my brother Jeremy Desmond for the amazing theme music to the show. And thank you to you guys for tuning in and listening all the way to the end. We'll see you all again next week.